in the first 18 months of starting a startup, you really have to, what I say, deepen your why. You really have to deepen your conviction on it, right? I think the 18, 24 months, first 18, 20, is when you have to be in the most unreasonably delusional almost about your conviction because you get so many, you have nothing to show but some ideas. Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high achieving 9 to 5 turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Our guest on the show today is Shreyasi Singh. She's the founder and CEO of Harappa, a learner-centered institution of the future committed to empowering its leaders with Thrive Skills, an essential set of cognitive, social, and behavioral skills to enable individuals to continuously succeed at every stage of their career. Shreyasi's journey to entrepreneurship and education is itself symbolic of the diversity and opportunities of modern careers. She began her career as a journalist and spent more than 10 years in media. In this inning, she worked across broadcast and print. The highlight was being the editor of the Indian edition of Inc., the iconic American magazine on entrepreneurship, where her fascination for tech-enabled scalable businesses was first sown and nurtured. She's also written two books on entrepreneurship, including a bestseller, The Wealth Wallers, for which she was recognized with the Young Woman Author Award by India's Women Enterprise Awards and a children's book on a woman entrepreneur. She was also a columnist for Mint, where again she wrote on startups. A few years back, she switched from business journalism to higher education, driven mainly by the opportunity to help build a women's only management program. She set up the program's careers, mentorship, and executive education initiatives. She's also taught effective writing, business communication, and critical thinking at several universities and programs across India. These opportunities gave her an immersive experience of how higher education can transform lives and aspirations, especially by innovating on curriculum. Her drive to do this at scale powers her belief in the idea of online learning and in Harappa. She's an alumnus of the Lady Sriram College for Women, Delhi University, as well as the Indian Institute of Mass Communication, New Delhi. At the time of this interview, Harappa has just been acquired by Upgrad for over rupees 300 crores. With that, let's dive into the conversation with Shreyasi Singh and hear from her about building Harappa from the ground up. Hi Shreyasi, I've been waiting to have this conversation for a while now because I have so many questions for you about building Harappa from the ground up. So welcome to our podcast and thank you for making the time today. Thank you so much wonderful to be here. I'm a podcast junkie. I love podcasts. They're my main source of inspiration and learning. So I'm always, always very excited to be in a podcast episode myself. Wow, that's great news. We love uh, interviewees who love the media. Usually it is true for most people who come to a podcast interview, they are podcast listeners. So with that, I want to dive right into your story, share with us how you had such a wildly successful career before starting uh, Harappa. So what propelled you to make the shift from uh, this business journalism, uh, the work that you're doing there to higher education, which is so different? You know, it's such a messy journey. 
And I think I confuse people so much with the journey that I've had because I think I can now see people looking at me and saying, oh my, and not actually being able to articulate it, but really I know thinking in their heads that, oh my God, how is she doing what she's doing and how has she made all of these decisions? You know, I feel like my work as a journalist, especially as a business journalist, and the four years of stint I had as the editor of Inc. in India, Inc. is an iconic American entrepreneurship magazine. You know, that stint I had as four years of managing editor of Inc. in India is probably the starting point of understanding that, listen, I also want to create something large, right? And I think I had the privilege of meeting some of India's best entrepreneurs, and this is 2011 to 2015 when the startup boom was just happening, right? And uh, and when you bring out an 80-page magazine on entrepreneurship month after month, it's like doing a PhD in entrepreneurship, right? You know, you're writing articles on branding and, you know, performance incentives as well as entrepreneur schedules. How do you work with customers? How do you create a brand? I think by the end of that stint, I was kind of itching to put all of that in practice. There's like vicarious learning from work, you know, from writing about these things and meeting amazing entrepreneurs. But I think that really was the seed. I don't think I would be here if I wasn't the editor of Inc. because uh, it really was a PhD in entrepreneurship, bringing out uh, 80 pages a month on entrepreneurship. So I think that is a very natural thing. And if you think about it, I think people don't think like this, but I, you know, even a journalist or what you're doing, we create something out of nothing, right? Like, you know, just a set of questions in your mind and half an hour are spending together will create a piece of work that will, you know, live for years, right? And somebody will find it over years. I think it's a creator's urge. I think journalism, as well as anybody who's an artist or whatever the creator is, entrepreneurship is the largest creator's urge. The riskiest, maybe, because other people get involved. It needs possibly much more money than one podcast episode or one article. But I think really at the core emotion of, you know, how I link my journey is that I had a creator's urge there. I started with a blank Word document and some thoughts and created an article. And here the creators are just obviously getting manifested in a much bigger way in the company that I'm creating. But I think the core emotion is somebody who wants to create something that lasts, that means something beyond them and lasts beyond them. Um, the thing to higher education here, I'll have to give some credit to my co-founder, Pramath, um, who obviously is sort of a pioneering higher educationist himself. And I was pretty certain by 2016 or so, because I'd been the editor of a magazine, I was writing a newspaper column in Mint on startups. And I'd written my first book called The Wealth Koalas on entrepreneurship as well. And those were my three milestones I had set for myself as a journalist, you know, be the editor of a magazine, have a newspaper column and write a book, right? I think those that were done, I was pretty certain and I was still in my like, you know, mid thirties, then five years, six years back. To say that, listen, I need to do something else. Like I have a whole 30 year more career to go and I don't want to spend it just being a journalist, right? I felt like I had many more skills I had discovered that I wanted to use. And, you know, Pramath is right. So to say, hey, you'll be a great fit for higher education. You know, you understand how new age companies work by covering startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, the new kind of skills that are coming because you're meeting the people who are most successful in this new age economy. And I think, and I was always very interested in professional women's issues. So. My first stint in higher education became being director careers of a women's only management program. And I think the two years I spent, spent as sort of a founding team member of, of that women's only management program 
education is really the big opportunity, of course, right? And I think from then there's been sort of no looking back. So a little bit of chance, uh, a little bit of, you know, having someone sort of point you in one direction and you and being a little bit, you know, sort of fearless in making some of these kind of different hatke choices um, is, you know, sort of why I've done this journey. And I'll say one more thing and then stop. I think women's careers and even modern careers and women's careers are converging now to say that they're not going to look like ladders, right? It's going to look like jungle gyms, which are much more exciting. Sometimes you go on top of the slide and go down. Sometimes you fall, right? You bump your knee. Sometimes you step out of that mat of the jungle gym and take a break. Then you, then you come back and do the highest part of the maze and things like that. So, you know, I really think of my... A career and as a jungle gym where I'm exploring different facets of it at different moments rather than someone boring ladder with five steps and that's all I have to go I find that very limiting so that's the way I've approached the change I like that you mentioned being fearless because I think that is key right because you have so many things that you're evaluating is this the right decision and all of that is it going to pay off so I want to ask you, doubts are common, obviously, but what did you have any at all? I mean, from everything that you're sharing, it's like, you're like, oh, it's okay, let's see what happens. You know, you have so many doubts, imposter syndrome. I think one big thing I realized seven, eight years back that nobody is watching you. I think that's very liberating that most people are so self-consumed. I think most people think Forget, we think we worry so much about what people think of us and that they're thinking badly of us. And I'm like, actually, they probably don't even have the time to think of you too much because everybody's absorbed and obsessed with themselves, right? I think that was a really liberating thought that, you know, your failures are your own, but so are your successes. And beyond a point, nobody is watching you, right? Like, you're not that important that the whole world is watching your failures and, you know, that stigma and things like that. So I think that really liberated me to say that listen let me do what I want to because as long as you own your decisions I think that's really what people can expect of course there's so many especially at Har- as Harappa founder so many doubts and doubts in people's minds also right like I'm such an unlikely founder CEO of a venture funded you know online learning company I'm a non-techie I'm a non-MBA I'm not 26 you know, I'm doing this as a working mother. Like, I feel like I check so many diversity boxes beyond just gender that, of course, there are, you know, tech and product, for example. And so I feel like professional specialists have made some areas of knowledge seem like they're only accessible to a certain kind of people. When actually, if you're most above, people of above average intelligence, if they want it enough and they try and work at it hard enough, can understand most things, right? So I think that, will I be able to understand, will I be able to hire a CTO? Will I, which engineer would want to come and work with me? Will they just think she's like some, you know, uh, posh middle-aged woman from South Delhi who's trying to do something? You know, there are all kinds of things, right? Who will take me seriously? Who will give me money to build this business? You know, how will I be able to inspire when we hired our CXOs that, you know, who, who have much more specialization than I do or my age or older or whatever why what what do they respect me for right how do I inspire them do they think of me as somebody who can motivate and coach them so I think you have a lot of things around hey there are some disciplines can you understand some functions and some knowledge bodies 
are people going to how will you earn the right for the right people to be inspired by you or you know find you credible and things like that so i think those kinds of doubts are always there are always there i know you said that you're non mba but i think you got your mba doing those two years four years of ink that's like an i think so. it really is but you know sometimes i think one of the things that i'm constantly surprised by is many people are not able to distill and understand what are the skills and experience somebody else has gone through in a different stint right most people the concept of transferable skills and transferable experience very few people are able to like you so sharply got it very few people are able to get it to say what would she have learned here that actually if because the way that i explain it it makes perfect sense right after doing a phd in entrepreneurship wouldn't you be an entrepreneur it's the same thing but very few people will make that connection they say oh my god it's from being a journalist to something completely different but i agree with you and life is an mba and transferable knowledge is true because i did an mba and i cannot explain anything that i i mean i maybe i can't remember because it's zoned out we just like you know we didn't know um, but with that uh, coming back to harappa you decided you're going to get the, get into this higher education you're going to start this so you had the idea what were the early stage challenges you had because you know it feels like wow that's something that you should do it's a great idea it will work what surprised you about the fact about the challenges that came up what helped you navigate them so the first 18 to 20 months i would say right first is hey is this a good enough idea that you can build something around i think the one sort of clarity i forced myself to develop or articulate to myself when starting her up at 2018 march is when we were incorporated and 2019 april is when we went live to the world was that i wanted i wrote myself a personal vision statement right and you know a very narcissistic activity but i think really useful and i always encourage people to do that and there it said that i want to be recognized for creating something of scale and impact right so i think one of the the, the clarity that we developed for ourselves at harappa was that it has to be something which is a large company that it can scale not to say that small companies are not good or worthwhile but at least what we wanted to do with harappa and even as educators our conviction came from mainstreaming this curriculum of cognitive social behavior skills which is so under addressed by our education systems that people don't give it enough importance we said we'll really be able to feel like we're successful as believers of this curriculum if you're able to mainstream it and if you may and from that came the decisions of it has to be online first it has to have a very strong online dna because how do you scale how do you build something large and how do you build something impactful to mainstream this curriculum if it's not accessible to a wider audience which has to come from online right so i think that first developing that conviction is hard right because you know people will tell you that uh you know how can you teach somebody negotiation or presence online and you know there are a lot of naysayers in even that so i think first you you really in the first 18 months of starting a startup you really have to what i say deepen your why you really have to deepen your conviction on it right i think the 18 24 months first 18 is when you have to be in the most unreasonably delusional almost about your conviction because you get so many you have nothing to show but some ideas 
you have so many naysayers at that point of view who can influence you know, and the na- well intentioned naysayers friends family colleagues whoever say hey listen you know you you're smoking dope or whatever i think that is a big challenge how to persevere on your conviction and that conviction you have to develop by obviously doing your research seeing how on the evolution of online learning is happening but staying true to that conviction is very tough you know and people at that time your opinion is like their opinion now your opinion counts for much more because you've been able to do that but at that time another smart employee or team person will think hey you know she's going to be wrong or whatever so i think that is the biggest challenge at that time the second biggest challenge in the first 18 months is actually creating the first version of your thinking then there is the thinking that you have you've developed the conviction and you have some idea to be able to create that first prototype right the first something that others can experience your vision through right and that you can test out in the market that is really where i think a lot of and how quickly should you do it you know how much do you pursue perfection there how quickly should you have it out that time you can't hire you know you don't have that much money so you you i think it's the in some sense the scrappiest most resourceful time that you know you have to like stitch these together and that first visualization only the founders can do you know you it, so you have to be really really clear in the expectation that and you have to own that prototype to say listen yes i'm willing to be wrong but trust me can you please do it and the cajole people into whatever because at least give your vision a chance to so i think getting that group of 8 10 people together two three on the tech side two three on the curriculum and product side to be able to bring that first articulation of your vision that somebody else can experience beyond just what you are talking about was very challenging um it requires a lot of um, uh optimism resourcefulness creative problem solving finding your tribe finding your tribe you know those seven eight people who you who um even if they even if they don't fully think the idea will work they trust they want you to be successful enough that they'll go by i think those are those are very and then pulling in all kinds like you know when we hired our first product person I was like, I'm not even sure I can interview him fully, or I can't just hire him on just me interviewing. So I'm calling friends who are chief product officer at some large consumer internet firm, saying, "Hey, can you do the last round, the technical round of interviews with?" So you have to be really sort of, you know, resourceful and get things done. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break, and we'll see you on the other side of the show. I think yeah I think that's a that's that's a word that's a term you have to be resourceful because you don't really have too many resources and you have to be smart about it and then how did you go to market so you had your prototype now you got this product the first product that you've got it ready what were like like one two moves that you made if you could like when you look back so i think we started as a b2b company uh, we said we will sell to enterprises and we will sell to uh, we will sell to campuses and um, we had a you know two three people say team your first 10 customers are always people you already know they have to be and because you really actually want learners who can test out your product and you can start to get some credible logos as clients right so the first set of people were people who one already knew and 
nobody still buys anything even your friends even your family i don't believe that anybody right now in a professional sense can buy products or services if they don't have some need for it and have not developed some conviction in the fact that this will work but so we went after people we already knew and then got some clients so that was the way that we began on the b2b business in that sense b2b businesses are slightly easier to get started on their tougher to scale because everybody will have some professional networks already right and you you understand that for me and my co-founder having lived careers you know we did have a strong professional network that we could at least have conversations with to get the first 7 10 clients in right on the consumer business right we decided to go and we launched like we started selling only in september 2019 we're still so new and march 2020 india went into lockdown and then we said listen we are a workplace brand all our skills are about workplace skills the pandemic is disrupt the lockdown at that is disrupting workplaces like never before how can we not be relevant in this moment is this such an amazing moment for us to be relevant and we said we must launch something that the entire, like many more people rather than just a b2b decision makers of a vice chancellor or chro can experience so we made one of our courses we felt as one course that we had that we had created was called embracing change it was a 5 hour course on grit setback resilience and oh my gosh alsavita so many people even within the team especially all the very logical engineering types it told me shashi what is this course we are building is such a flaky fluzy course embrace change and grit and setback and here we are when the world has changed like never before in a condensed period of time at least 2020 felt like that right like the first lockdown for six months is like the world has changed and everybody had to embrace it we made that course free and ran lots of campaigns around it and nine months we got 300000 people activated on that course and i think that decision you know sometimes you take decisions which um, you know and i i would say it's one of the top five good decisions i would say that we have taken at harappa was you know the moment in time we captured the cultural zeitgeist of the world at that time about embracing change i had a product and really used it in a way to launch the harappa brand yeah true market product market fit story because like you just had it and then the opportunity came unexpected opportunity and um, so very interesting to hear this that this is how and 300000 is a fabulous number i mean those numbers are like make you it was a free course it was free so it was a revenue but from a brand outreach and awareness because it did a massive uh, it did a massive thing for us because you're building that community and then so this is i i'm going to skip a lot of questions about how did you get your early clients because you already share that in hindsight when you look back hindsight is a great thing always you know oh those decisions were fantastic you don't even know it was intuition something that led you but in hindsight were there some mistakes that you think oh my god so many so many so many so many let me share a business mistake one immediately comes to mind i think we also started like i said we started with being a b2b business and where we were going to both companies as well as campuses right because we felt like undergrad engineering campuses or postgrad mba campuses will have great use of a curriculum obviously because the education employability gap the curriculum just doesn't support the skills employers need and so on and so forth on a campus business we really 
many missteps. In fact, so much so that we've sort of recalibrated our efforts away from uh, campus. And also campuses themselves in the two years during the pandemic really found themselves at such a crossroads, right? Like they were shut for two years. You know, students were switched off from because they were doing so much of online already. We also hired a decentralized because we I had heard so much that, you know, campus sales works differently. So please hire a decentralized team. It's all about relationships. So you need someone in Bhopal and you need someone, whatever. Uh, so I think lots of hiring decisions in the way that we um, put together that team. I feel like Harappa, just the brand, it has the identity. We have the curriculum it has. I think we, you know, I always wanted to speak differently about that curriculum to campus, yeah, but in, during COVID times, having a decentralized team who didn't understand the the DNA of the company, didn't understand the DNA of the curriculum, and was still sort of in you know an old mindset. I think we made many many wrong hiring decisions and org high, org structure decisions on the campus business. Um, and while we recalibrated our aspirations from it to say let campuses settle down, and we are very bullish about enterprise learning and you know, learning for individuals. And that's what our focus is in FY23 and 24. You know, I constantly wish like, hey, if we had played, if, if we had organized, a, if we had organized uh, ourselves differently, if we had some different people who are our ambassadors and campers, could we have changed that? So I would say that as a business, I would say that would be my one, one of the top three mistakes that, you know, we would have done. Okay, thank you for sharing that. That's a very honest uh, share. And I look forward to seeing how you create this new uh, playbook for campus uh, when you're able to turn things around. And I do want to ask you this. During all of this, you had investors, people investing in the business. You had a certain messaging when you started. Has that kind of message changed, uh, evolved, or it's been the same vision, the same messaging that you had for your audiences out there? You know, founding principles remain the same. You know, I, and I think for founders, that's really important. That actually, if you change because of external pressure, then who are you, right? But of course, your product suite, your brand messaging, you, you know, I mean, that has changed, but it's all changed for the better. It's all changed because the market teaches you so much. You have, we've had 500 client conversations on enterprise learning. It would be, we, it, we would be an antiseptic entity if, 500 conversations didn't teach us anything and didn't teach us something that has helped us evolve. So I think on enterprise learning, our clients have taught us so much, right? I mean, we went with, hey, cognitive, social and behavioral skills, and these are the courses, but they, we've understood so much more about genuine business needs and challenges that can be solved through learning and solved through learning these skills, whether it's you know, a first-time manager program, a, you know, so many, like build a, a champion inclusion boot camp and lots of things. So I think um, uh, we've evolved a lot in the way that we communicate. We've evolved a lot in what our product offerings are. And once you expand and evolve on your product offerings, to, you know, to make it easier for the outside world to understand what you're doing, you have to constantly sharpen and distill your point of view because the more products you have, it's very easy for people to get confused. So in a way, you have to constantly keep sharpening as you evolve, but founding principles don't change. And in fact, more and more, I've actually realized that you have to be more you, but just a better, smarter you, rather than try and be someone else. That never works. In fact, the true 
identity in the world will be what differentiates you. But what differentiates you should be your strength, it shouldn't be your weakness. So just because I'm teaching cognitive social behavior thing and teaching empathy and all doesn't mean I don't have commercial aggressiveness. Don't doesn't mean that I don't understand how profitability works. Doesn't mean I don't set sales processes in place, which is true of a great company. So I think uh, uh, the the greatest Harappa conviction we have is that these skills are really important for everyone, for teams, individuals, and organizations. That has not changed at all. In fact, we feel like we have to be purer to that, but sharper on that to make it easier for the world to understand. It's very interesting how you share that. And of course, talking about uh, investment. Yeah, we've gone through a lot in three years. It's a really short time. So, you know, people, even with our previous investors, right? People... uh, in some ways, your investors believe in you more than even friends and family can. They put money behind you. Their greatest whatever is to see you succeed. I think there's a lot of, you know, collective enthusiasm for success. And uh, it's in everyone's interest to help each other. Not every relationship, you know, all over the world or every startup and all will go well. But, you know, I approach any big relationship especially like this, you know, with investors or with a new merger that they're having is we're coming together with enthusiasm, with joy and optimism because we like each other, not only as individuals, but hope there is some respect. Of course there will be, but as what we're trying to do in the world, right? As businesses and as ideas. And in that sense, investors or people you merge with actually demonstrate that commitment to you and what they believe is your potential by they walk the talk with a with a considerable amount of money with considerable decisions that they're making on that side not to for it not to work out with the writer spirits i think you know it isn't as adversarial as you know most people understand that these relationships are or hostile not at all i think uh, I think in India, the entrepreneurship ecosystem has also grown a lot. Right? There are many more mature founders. There are many more serial entrepreneurs. Some investors have also matured to understand that it works when everybody ha- truly has a right intention and commitment. And I think they demonstrate that commitment by signing the checks. And as an entrepreneur, you feel a great sense of pride, privilege, but the accountability to somebody's belief in you and your idea and your company uh, by doing that. So um, I'm very, very sort of conscious of that. And um, it's very fair. Beautifully articulated. But tell me, uh, being acquired, was that always on the books? Was that the plan or just like organically happened? I think it happened much more organically. I don't think we thought that, you know, we'll reach this milestone so early in our journey. but you know, because we're just three and a half years old, but I think the conversations with, and that's an inspired combination of entrepreneurs also on the upgrade side. And, you know, the we went back to our founding principles, which I told you earlier, scale and impact, right? And, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, do you want to continue to be a smaller you? But if your belief is truly in not controlling your little universe, but if your belief is truly in, hey, Cognitive, social, and behavioral skills must be mainstream. 
I feel like wow, we're getting an accelerated whatever to mainstream it. That's why your why has to be very clear. It's only when your why is clear that you're able to make these very strategic business decisions. People think of strategic decisions, but they they just become easier because if you go back to your why and my vision statement, personal vision statement was to build something of scale and impact. And here I'm being invited to participate in a inspired and powerful combination of forces and individuals who are working at scale and impact. And, you know, then, so it was an unexpected, but correct. Okay, correct decision. Congratulations, Ara. I think it's no mean feat. 300 crores is like, oh my God, amazing. But uh, so far, I mean, what, like what's next for you as we come towards the end of the interview? What's next at Harappa and, and you? Oh, Harappa and me. Actually, lots more. I think very, very excited. Uh, still, obviously, very much here and running Harappa. I think that people, you know, there's just so many connotations to some of these news articles and things like that. Very, very um, you know, excited to be part of a larger whole. Um, going to the US, um, uh, Harappa is going to Harappa Enterprise. I'll be taking our enterprise business to the US starting next month. Very excited about taking Harappa abroad. I mean, like great sense of pride um, in, uh, in trying to do that. That's, of course, very exciting. Definitely want to be the top two or three enterprise learning businesses in, in India. And I think that's a very clear focus over the next 18 to 24 months. So sort of really sort of top pole position in enterprise learning for our kinds of skills in India is a very, very strong focus area. Taking her up outside of India, and especially US, the most competitive yet, but and the biggest enterprise learning market is the second big sort of goal for the next two years. And third is really growing the consumer business or the individual learner business in India through a variety of very interesting programs and products, right? So we've recently just launched the Harappa School of Leadership, where we're launching our first sort of six-month accelerated management program, which is very leadership forward, getting an amazing response to that. I think many more programs um, uh, will get added onto the Harappa School of Leadership and design leadership program or women's leadership program. So just like buzzing with ideas. Amazing. And of course, I look forward to all of that. You know, I think always is to continue to grow and be better. Like I'm, I'm, I'm also very ambitious for myself from a personal growth journey. Like I should feel like there is a huge personal cost to working the way that we do and what this journey demands of you, right? And I think for me, beyond any wealth or whatever, it is that am I seeing myself become better in front of my own eyes? That's a very powerful sort of experience to go through. So very committed to being my best self, for sure, right? Very committed to building a scalable, high-quality business. Would like to, you know, that experience and that pride that comes from that, uh, for sure, uh, to do that. Okay. And before I let you go, uh, as we come towards the end, I want to ask you, do you have a um, piece of advice for newbie entrepreneurs who are just starting out, who want to someday have this exit or get it? But it doesn't matter if they're just starting out a piece of advice for them. My favorite Latin quote uh, is my piece of advice. It's called graditum ferocitum. 
it means step by step ferociously nothing happens in a day a lot can happen in a year but you have to be at it and in the moment be sort of ferociously at whatever it is going to do but it will be step by step so it's my it's everywhere like it's in my office gratitude and ferocity step by step ferociously i think it's a it's a phrase that really captures the essence of entrepreneurship which is a like you know the zizo you need to be in the moment every day as well as it's going to always be incremental thank you wow i love it i'm going to save it that's something to remember this interview by and uh, thank you so much it's been an amazing interview i hope we can bring you back again for part 2 in a year when harappa is again gone to its next level we look forward to that so thank you so much for your time and thank you for being here with me today thank you savita lovely chatting with you you have a great day ahead bye thank you for listening to the podcast if you like this episode and you want more you can go to the show notes on my website which is successwithsavita.com/podcast if you like what you've heard so far i would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five star review subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.